I'm Helen Marshall, and this is the Diary of a CLO. I hope no one's listening, but if you are, definitely share it. Sally Gunnell is a household name for athletics after an illustrious career on the track. No other woman has held Commonwealth, European, World and Olympic track titles concurrently. And although her world record has since been broken, Sally Gunnell is firmly planted as one of the greatest female athletes of all time. Now founder of Sally Gunnell Health and Wellbeing, Sally is using the knowledge and skills she established during her athletics career to help guide others to make better and more informed lifestyle choices. In this episode, Sally shares how she got close to burnout before she realised she needed help, how confidence doesn't always come naturally, and why focusing on your mental and physical health is so important. It's a great conversation. Enjoy. Sally, hi and welcome to Diary of a CLO. I'm, I feel really lucky to have you here and to be interviewing you today. Um, so as, as I said to you previously, I kind of grew up watching you on telly, including watching you win Olympic gold in Barcelona in 1992, alongside my mum, who is also a very big fan of yours, um, and then watched you um, commentating or listened to you commentating on various kind of sporting events. And I think you've always been a bit of a role model to me, particularly because I was so sporty growing up and it was great to have a female role model um, to look up to as well. Um, but now your focus is really on, on health and well-being more generally, and you recently set up Sally Gunnell Health and Wellbeing. Can you share a little bit about that journey and what inspired you to set it up? Yeah, I think it's been a natural progression. I mean, I mean it's mad, isn't it? It's 30 years since winning in uh, Barcelona. And, um, you know, I naturally sort of went into doing a lot of the speaking events that I did, I did was around, you know, high performance and what it took to, to get to that top. But just in the last sort of like 15 years, really, it's been much more around health and well-being and realizing that actually that was the difference almost to, you know which I was actually running it it was about you know all those little small increments that add up to you know to who we are and how we perform and yes you have to work hard just to have all those visions but actually you know what you eat what you sleep how you recover um, what your mental health to like all of those sorts of pieces were such an important part of um, delivering on the day and um, yeah and I realized that when I retired that that was that was part of who I am and that was part of how I survive in this world going forward and and how important it is for so many of us um, you know what whoever you are whatever you're trying to achieve whether it's personal whether it's within you know the workplace as well so um, so you know speaking wise and a lot more around you know cellular health and well-being is around you know the the well-being side of it how do we build that resilience out because resilience can mean different things for different people but i come in from a very holistic look at it um and yeah just trying to pass on some of those messages some of those tools some of those sort of i don't know little little bits of nuggets that i was taught from the psychologists and the you know, nutritionists and the physiologists over the over the years and um trying to pass on some of that to sort of help people so yeah that's how it all sort of developed have you seen a bit of a shift recently because obviously well in in the learning and development sector there's been a huge focus on well-being and how to support your staff from a well-being and mental health perspective is that something that you're conscious of particularly given the you know the, the global pandemic and coming out the other side of that 
Oh, yeah, massively. I would say, you know, some of the tools I'm doing, I'm still doing the high performance bit, but everybody still wants a piece of the the well-being side of it within that that sort of talk as well. And um, yes, it, is, it has it has to be. I think it is the pandemic. I think what, what we went through, um, I think what I've really noticed in the next, you know, the last two or three years is just people's confidence, um, how, you know, we, we got quite insular almost in, in our lives that we were doing and a lot of organisations wanted people to be much more sort of present and um, engaged but I think you know often if you are I don't know in your 40s or 50s you've, you've got off that bandwagon of traveling and doing one you're actually quite liking it so it's trying to get that balance and a lot of that is around you know obviously people's well-being and health and and, and we're talking much more about different areas and whether that's, you know, about mental health, whether that's, you know, menopause and, you know, just health issues generally, you know, men's health as well, which is incredible that, you know, we are opening up so many conversations. And um, I think this is, you know, I think this is one of the good things around what happened at the pandemic that we are now starting to talk and people realizing they need help, they need support. Um, and you know, that is exactly what I did as an athlete. You know, I built a great team of people. I asked for help. Um, and it's exactly what I do now. You know, still got an amazing team of people. I'm still looking to get the specialists and their advice and, um, you know, to continue learning and to have that voice and ability to be able to pass that on to people. Was it something you struggled with asking for help? I mean, you're probably surrounded by a team of people, like you said, but did, did you struggle with giving up that, you know, control? Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of it was is that you couldn't show that weakness um, on the sports field. You know, you couldn't show that vulnerability, which is, you know, like so many people still now. Um, but, you know, I knew that I struggled with confidence, with self-confidence. I wasn't... You know, I wasn't somebody, you know, and you watch athletes and sports people that, you know, were just fun of confidence. And, I'm, and I knew I wasn't like that. So I knew that the mental side of it and how I mentally prepared myself and what I put in place was such a key area. And of course, that, that you know, to keep a strong mind, you've got to look at all the other areas of what you're eating and drinking enough fluid and all of those sorts of things, how important that is. But, um, yeah, I mean, for many years in the athletics world, you know, you, you watch other athletes and, you know, you do that voice in your head where, like, oh, they're not panicking, they're not nervous, they look so in control, you know, they're six foot tall and they look really fit, you know, and, and in shape and all of those sorts of things. And um, and I never had all that. And, I, I, you know, it was about controlling the demons and um, getting a great team of people. And, and once I'd built that team around and of course lots of athletes now they have the lottery funding which is brilliant and they have that team I suppose I was probably one of the first people that put my hands up and actually said I need support and help and you know and I just want to I don't know I was fifth in an Olympics and that was the point where I knew I needed to go you know what was it going to take because I was in that point where you know it's like so many people you can't I couldn't work any harder I could work smarter for sure. But, you know, if I worked harder, if I pushed my body anymore, if I put too more many hours in, you know, you break down. And um, that was the point that I was at where I couldn't, you know, physically I was pushing myself. 
Um, I was on that point of breaking down, you know, you know, physically with injuries or whatever else and getting colds and, and not being able to deliver. So I knew I had to look at what what was going to be the areas, what could, where could the percentages come in from, you know, what could be added in. Um, and that's why I sort of thought about, you know, probably I could be better at what I was eating. I could be better on the recovery side of it. I knew the mental health stuff I was, I was, you know, really weak on um, and self-confidence and things like that. Um, and I was the first person to put my hands up and say, right, you know, I need, I need the best. And I need a great team. I need people I can get on with. Um, and I need people to take me on, the, on this journey because you are quite selfish in what you do as an athlete. And um, But, you know, you soon realise that other people have got their own agenda of what their goals are within that team and, and other yeah, important things in their life. And you're only a little part of it. And I think that was good for me. Um, and I think it helped me to make that sort of teamwork and, and communicate because I had quite a difficult sort of coach in there that I'd been with since I was 14 so the pair of us knew so much but we could only go so much and I had to um, bring him in on the decision of, of that team and what that looked like um, and that he was part of it and not pushing you know how all the dynamics that we get in in, in a corporate situation almost to the, so that we could all grow together and um, and achieve, yeah, what was my goal, but I could have that support with people. Mm. And what happened after, was it quite a quick change or did it did it happen slowly once you did bring the right people into the conversation? Well, it sort of was built up over four years um, and, you know, the, the last part, which was the, you know, the sports psychologist, the mental side of it, literally only came in a, a year before Barcelona um, and it was because I I was second in a world champs and the only reason I was second, it wasn't that I wasn't good enough, it was just that I didn't believe in my own ability and I, and I was still worrying about the opposition I was still worrying about things that were out of my control um, and I had to learn how to only control the things that you are capable of controlling and that's in your own mind um, so yeah that the sports psychologist was literally a, a year before and and now that uh, you know that that's the nutrition is is quicker because you can you can feel the difference and you can finish sessions and I just didn't have that dip in the afternoon. I had more energy to, you know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't lose my concentration. I didn't lose my tempo as such. And, and that sort of, you know, the sleep side of it and the recovery side and nutrition was a bit more of an instant thing. But I knew if I wasn't on it, then I could really dip off and I could really sort of feel that. And, and sometimes you can't always do it all the time, but I could really notice. Uh, whereas the psychology thing was, was much more of a longer sort of term because you know that was uh you know that is about mentally preparing you know doing a lot of visualizing and finding time and working with yourself and you know and your mind goes off and you, you know it's a bit of self-training and you have to train yourself to do it um but you know it doesn't take long but it, it the more that you do it the easier it became really and um yeah and, and you know i always say now it's such a powerful tool um, that we have it's just about learning how we tap into it isn't it and um, yeah and how you use it and and it is what I use you know day in day out if I'm speaking to a big 
big crowd and I get very nervous still, which is a great thing. But, you know, that, that visualization piece and delivery piece that helps me out in, in so many different things I do now as well. So It's, it's also interesting, that kind of sphere of control as well, like what you have control over versus what you don't and how you overcome that in whatever it is that you're doing. And it's so right, that kind of crossover between sports and business is is yeah. quite fundamental there, really. Yeah, and, and, you know, and how you deal with, you know, failure uh you know the setback piece and all of those things and um you know as a sports person you fail a lot <laughs> you know probably every day uh you know or when I'm training you fail before you might get it right once um so that is a, a big part of it and and but the, the skill in all those areas is is you know and that's what sport term it, it taught me is that it's you know finding a positive in a situation not panicking um, assessing the situation um, and and learning, just learning from it, and not, you know, for quite a while, you, you sort of, you know, I think in those early days, it was like, well, why didn't I win that? Or you know, if I'd won that championships or this or that, you know, I wouldn't be in this situation, you know. And reflecting still on it six months later, and and you know, that's it's just not healthy, and it's just not. Uh, you can't do that and and it was again another skill to learn was how do you learn from these situations and move on and um, again something that you know is always thrown at us in life now and I think the thing I've learned is that you know if I hadn't have gone through those situations I probably wouldn't have been that person to to deliver what we're doing and um, and you know and, and that is what life is about, isn't it? It's continued learning in, in all sorts of situations. Absolutely. And I guess um, that hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? I mean, going through those things at the time would have been difficult, but now looking back, you can say, well, that happened for a reason and I, I, I'm yeah. able to tell a, a story successfully yeah. now. And I think also it's, you know, I couldn't, if somebody had tried to teach me that in my early days of athletics, I wouldn't have got it, you know? Um, and it, it does take you know, all sorts of situations to find that and time. And we talk about this journey and it is a journey that we have to go on and you can't shortcut it, um, but you can get support and, and help. And um, yeah, I wish I'd sort of learned bits and pieces a bit earlier than I had. Um, and, you know, you do have to find out the hard way to make sure that you you do love it and you're still hungry at times and yeah. Um, you know what this means to you for sure yeah it does uh does fear of failure come up in the conversations that you have with the organizations you work with is it a common theme oh yeah massively um yeah and, and i think it comes up with you know when you're talking about stress um and actually sometimes you know i always say this sometimes there's good stress that you know makes you go out and, and perform at that highest level and i think some of that was fear of failure um is is part of that but it's using it to an advantage but also it's recognizing when it isn't good um and and you know and one of the reasons why i did give up towards you know towards the end was that pressure expectation and fear of failure to a certain degree and um it's a difficult one it's um you know i think once you you know you are at the top um, you know, you win that Olympic gold. Probably the hardest piece was me to, you know, was the next few years of staying at the top and getting that again, my right in your mind. 
Um, and yeah, what spurred me on was that fear of failure to train. And, and I think it comes up in a lot of organizations and I think it has to be, you know, you've got to, I did, I had massive respect for my competitors and I think you have to, um, and, but you can only control what you can and what you're capable of doing. Um, but also I think it's, it's sometimes it's putting that fear of failure to in a positive way, but not letting it overcome everything. And I think that's what often happens and that's where we get burnout. That's where we, you know, so much of mental health issues are around. Are there any other common challenges that you experience? Are there any patterns that have emerged from the, from the organizations that you work with? Um, I think a lot of it at the moment is, is getting people back engaged um and um yeah as i was saying you know confidence again and i think a lot of it is about self-help um i think a lot of it is around meaning and purpose um you know around what is fulfillment in life and you know we've we've come off that sort of wagon again that we were on but it, it you know we still need to deliver and, and what does that look? and a lot of that is the confidence that we've lost so a lot of what, of what we're doing at the moment is around, yeah, self-help, motivation. Um, you know, a lot of organizations as well actually are asking me around the exercise piece because I think now that people are, are working from home, um, it's allowing yourself time and it's, and it's not around, um, you know, because we can get on our laptops at 7 o'clock in the morning and we can still be sitting here at 8 o'clock at night. And people are realizing that they're not, sitting up they're not getting up they're not doing the exercise piece and it, it's about that management piece around um allowing yourself to get you know to go out for a walk at lunchtime uh to get away from your desk to go and do you know i don't know 40 minutes of a few exercises or whatever else and how do they allow themselves and how do that they build that in build that into their day to day so it has changed um in in a good way i think and, and just yeah, just you know, personal fulfilment. I think is another thing that I've had to to learn, um, and I think a lot of it is dealing with that sort of stress and expectation. And um, you know, I think when I ran, it was I was always on to the next thing. You know, what is happiness? What is that piece around personal fulfilment? It you know, I was always striving for something else, and you can't carry on like that. Um, and I, you know, I look back. I think I don't think I ever really celebrated the highs. I was always on to the next thing, and I think that's very easy to do in our lives now. And and I think it is. You know, we're always looking at what's going to make us happy. Is it the, I don't know, the the next holiday or the new car? But you know, actually, you know, it's putting that in. And I think that's what I've had to learn from from retirement, and probably has only really come in in the last sort of like five or ten years of. Um, you know, you're always striving and you can't keep doing that. And I think it's, I don't know whether that comes with age as well, but again, I think it's just learning how to live in the now, how to appreciate what we have and what a beautiful sunny day it is down here in Brighton this morning. And um, yeah, just sort of, you know, listening to the birds or things, you know, very trivia. And, you know, the garden has given me a lot of that time. Um, and that is something, a piece that I think has been really, really important and um, an area that I have passed on to, you know, organisations when, when when we do go in. And um, and I think when you're, you know, it's very easy to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And yes, you do have to have aspirations. You have to have, you know, vision. 
Um, you know, I think sometimes goals is a very strong word at times um, because I think they can, you know, be hard to achieve if, the, if you have set massive goals, which is probably what I did in my running days. Um, but I look at that very differently now because I know I'm never going to get those highs and goals are often can be, you know, seen as, as failures and, um, you know, you don't achieve them. And if that happens too often, that, you know, that's where the you loss of confidence so I think it's more around, yeah, just having a little vision and it doesn't have to be massive, but to tie in fulfillment around that and just appreciating what you have done, however big or small it may be. And um, yeah, appreciating when you have achieved something, whether that is a, you know, within the work, whether it's a personal goal, whether it's with people, a team and just recognizing it, giving yourself that pat on the, on, on the back and you know, I always talk about with with sport. It is, a, it, you know, a lot of it is is confident and you. And I loved what I did, and I had a lot of enjoyment. And and towards the end of my career, that enjoyment went, and and that's when I knew I had to had to retire. So I think you have to have that as part of your life of what is, you know, the enjoyment that you you do as part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, at Thrive, we're huge believers in celebrating every win that you have yeah. and, and being quite vocal about that as well and not just waiting for the big wins to come oh, in to to celebrate and to to think about what really is meaningful to you as an individual as well as a business as well so that, yeah that what you're saying definitely resonates both on a personal level and from a business perspective as well something we're, we're seeing quite a lot in the organizations we're working with is the balance between um, being a remote worker and then maybe needing to come into the office, that query around how you approach hybrid work. Is that something that you're talking to people about? Is it a concern for people, particularly from that that well-being perspective and the, that, that connection yeah. perspective? Yeah, I think it is. I know a lot of organisers, if you, if you talk to, you know, the HR and the bosses and whoever in an organisation, they're desperately trying to get everybody back in as much as possible but of course they can't force people um and you know we have fell you know we've been talking for you know for years about work-life balance and and here we are we're in a in an amazing situation um of this hybrid working and um but it is getting that balance and and again it is a personal thing and you're trying to you know you're getting pressure um and you don't want to feel that pressure. So it is getting that balance right. Um, and, you know, lots of people are really struggling with it because it is quite new. Um, you know, we're still venturing back in, into into the offices. Um, but what does that look like? And I think, again, it has to be a personal thing. And this is where, you know, what we're, we're saying to it, it needs to be your journey that you are on, that, you know, and, and a lot listening to that voice of, you're thinking that everybody expects you to be back in it there, and actually maybe the people aren't. Um, so it's about that communication piece, how important that communication piece is. Um, and actually, you know, going back in, I mean, I think one of the things that people are saying is that, you know, it's great doing, you know, Zoom calls or whatever, but you cannot beat, you know, every now and again, you know, having a moan about something or other over a cup of coffee somewhere. You know, it is about that face-to-face -face and, and that is, you know, very, it is healthy. And, and sometimes you have to have that. So again, it is getting that balance. And I, re I think it's about what we're trying to do is 
is the importance of and how do you get that balance and why you need to get back in front of people and and I know a lot of the conferences we are now and and you know I thought we were going to do a bit of both the virtual but actually you know um much much more of them are you know they're face to face and the energy that we're getting in rooms is incredible because actually people are hungry for that and I think that is about you know, helping people, supporting people to have the the tools and uh, feeling confident to be able to get that balance right and getting back in, in front of people. And, you know, yeah, you have to have the, the, the face-to-face, you know, um, communication and, you know, so much of that's the bit we're all lacking. And, and as we all know, part of health and well-being is about, you know, chatting to people, um, community, helping, supporting and that's where we have to, you know, is to get away from just, you know, being lonely. And, you know, that's the biggest effect that people have on their mental health. And it's it's about getting back in front of people, having that confidence to do it. It's definitely that confidence as well, isn't it? And if you've yeah. not been in the in a space where you're constantly making connection or communicating with people in a face-to-face way, it can knock your confidence to then have to yeah. go and, and do it, to put yourself out there a little bit. Yeah. Like funny, isn't it? Because I remember the first time I was sort of, you know, back driving to events and it's like the confidence, even just to go out there and drive was just a bit weird. But you, you have to, you know, you have to put yourself through it, you know, almost, and you have to do it. And, um, you know, and, and then, you you know, and it's a slow thing and you have to take each day at a time almost, but it's it's a good feeling. I mean, that's how I personally feel it. And I think lots of people do that when we've actually done it and we've, you know, we've, We've, we've done the bridge across almost and we're getting there but it's just yeah sometimes it is just about confidence and just doing small little steps to it for sure yeah yeah can you tell me a little bit about the optimize your age part of your business as well because it's not something we we often see well we definitely see more of it but it's not something we often see within businesses so can you tell me a little bit about it yeah i mean again this has been a natural thing um much more around my sort of social media um, but also I think it's one of these things because, you know, you hit 50 um, and there's everything all around, you know, anti-aging, you know, <laughs> you know, it's quite a negative word, isn't it? Anti-aging, you know, it's like, well, we're all going to age. Um, why are we looking to anti-age all the time, you know? And I think it's about what does, you know, what can we put into place? Um, you know, and I guess a lot of it, you know, again, goes back to the running days where it, a lot of it is around preventative. And that's what I had to do. I had to think ahead to what we're coming, put in place. So optimize your age is looking at all sorts of different ways that our body, um, you know, changes as as we do get a bit older in a positive way. Because I think, you know, so much of what we do is, um, you know, it's good things that happen to us. Um, you know, we have more time on our hand. Um, you know, we, we look at exercise, but it's just adapting it sometimes. And, you know, when it comes to exercise, for me, I've had to really change and, um, you know, accept that you, you can't go and run as fast as you used to. And, you know, how what's changed in my body, especially around, you know, muscles getting weaker and, you know, back aches and things like that. And um, very much looking at it as, right, what could I put in place? So, you know, doing much more sort of, you know, strength training and things like that as, you know, has really, really helped, you know, just with aches and pains. But, you know, also I feel strong as a person and I think it's a it's a great feeling to have as, you know, and, and I look at it as a very 
good positive thing than you know aging being a weakness thing and um and what can we deal with so that's what optimize your age is about is um yeah what we should be eating um how can we be more mobile as we age you know what you know yeah how can we prevent things almost and um, um, what do we need more of in our life and a lot of that is you know we, we were talking about the, you know chatting to people community doing things for others and you know that's all the new sort of things you know as i said gardening and things i never thought i'd be doing but absolutely love it and um and i think it's just looking at you know how can we um Yes, we're going to age, but what does the process look like? And, and again, you know, getting those experts in um, to give that advice, what can we put in place? And that whole thing about being proactive, all this. And I think that's important for, for anyone, but I really feel as a female, it's even more important to think about that because you just mentioned about the anti-aging and the yeah. the, the stuff that you see on, on the news and magazines and the, in social media how that impacts you from a mental health perspective as well and how you can reframe it to be more of a positive experience and be, as you say, proactive about that experience yeah, as well. Exactly. And, you know, it's brilliant, isn't it, that we are talking around, you know, mental health now and, and menopause and, you know, what's happening to us. And, and, you know, we've got a lot of information and we have, you know, got amazing experts that we can again as a, a personal development for yourself that you can bring in and support you and you know and helps answer some of the the uh, situations that you find yourself in and you know why am I shouting at the kids or, or whatever it may be and I think it's really important that we do support uh, staff in all sorts of ways and we do communicate and yeah, you know, optimize your age isn't just about fifty plus. It's you know, it's it's often now, you know, I've, I've got people coming to me and, and they're realizing that you know, exercise wise and you know, in their thirties and forties and what we should be looking at now um, is is really key at their point. And and also I think at that sort of age now they're they're getting it. They're really understanding it and um, which are, and you know, and building that part of their lives and how they work with that. Um, and, you know, as we do age, I always say when it's never too late, um, you know, there's so many things that we can add into our lives that um, can help us fulfill and have a more of a, an active and healthier life going forward. Mm, mm, absolutely. And, and just to wrap up, Sally, um, how, how we've just spoken there about the, the impact of on a social media on a fe females specifically, but how does being a female role model play into the work that you do? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always, I'm always looking and think, wow, how did I, how did I ever do that? Did I really do that? You know, and, and realizing that you are that role model um, because, you know, at the end of the day, I always sound like everybody else, but you are, you know, in this very fortunate position. Um, and I've always just said, I just want to be myself, um, you know, want to sort of, I've had amazing people around me that bring me back down to earth and I've, and I've learned so much on that journey. And I take that, that you know, that that role very responsibly. And um, yeah, and, and I think, you know, sometimes I do do that imposter syndrome sort of scenario. I always go back to whoever I'm talking to, whoever I'm giving a message is just be yourself and be the best version that you can be and um, and to be able to help and support people on that journey so 
that's how I've sort of done it. And, and amazing that I'm still doing that after all these years and excited for what the future holds, really, because, you know, I've always had to reinvent myself or I always sort of say, which which is, you know, which has excited me and then what this next 30 years looks like almost. And um, we've got some exciting plans ahead. So, yeah, around the health and well-being and, and you know, self-fulfillment. So I'm really excited by that as well. Brilliant. And what a great way to wrap up this conversation. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Sally. And I really appreciate your time. Brilliant. Well, thank you and all the best to everybody. Take care. This podcast is powered by Thrive. We're a complete learning and skills platform creating modern learning solutions for modern businesses globally. Check us out.